It's the Americhips with Kim Monson. Now, while this is all going on, I went through President Trump's speech and uh, Chuck and Nancy's rebuttal. The most important story. The American people finally said enough, and that is why they elected Donald Trump. The latest in politics and world affairs. Britain's version of Medicare for All is struggling with long waits for care. And opinions and ideas that prepare you to tackle the day ahead. Because ideas matter. It's the Americhicks, dissecting issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree, let's have a conversation. Indeed, I am Kim Munson, and let's have a conversation. I'm thrilled to have in studio with me entrepreneur, small business owner of 88 Drive-In Theater, and a partner of mine, Susan Kochevar. Welcome. Thank you. It's great to have you here. We've got a big show planned. Yep, sounds good. We're going to go through some headlines, and uh, then you have done an excellent op-ed, which is at americhicks.com, regarding Trump rolling back uh, regulations and what that has really done for small business. And we'll talk about that in the third and fourth segment. So it's great to have you here. And uh, we look at these issues as freedom versus force, force versus freedom. Ultimately, socialism comes down to force. And um, and uh, surveys show that Americans actually really like freedom. So we need to understand uh, why we believe what we believe. We need to be able to engage with our neighbors and our friends and our family and our colleagues in this battle of ideas that is raging in America today, Susan. Mm-hmm. Yes, we do. We need to have that fight. What tends to happen is lots of people lose their lives if we don't win. That's for sure. So we need to engage and have our brain around these issues because there tends to be a socialization of transportation, education, energy, housing, and water. That doesn't mean that government owns it like it does in communism, but what it means is, is that government controls it through rules and regulations. That's why this op-ed that you did is so important, Susan, so we will talk about that in the third and fourth segment. Thank you to producer Steve. Zach, Patty, Keith, and Charlie for their support and their good work. And thank you to all you listeners out there. Uh, You are valued, you're treasured, you have a purpose. Go out there and uh, do your best, strive for excellence, and be sure every day to try to do something for heart, soul, mind, and body. And uh, strive for excellence on that. So jumping right in here, since Susan is in the uh, uh, movie business, I thought, well, let's, for our quote today, let's go to a movie star. And so I found this from Katherine Hepburn. And many of you know Katherine Hepburn was an American actress known for her fierce independence and spirited personality. She was a leading lady in Hollywood for more than 60 years. And she says, as one goes through life, one learns that if you don't paddle your own canoe, you don't move. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> and uh, Steve, how are you doing on Monday here? Yeah. I never know how to answer that. Number one, I'm not a morning person. Number two, Mondays. You're not a Monday person either. Yeah, m- Mondays. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, our pastor, our new pastor at our church, he's so animated and uh, he's very culturally influenced, let's say, to a degree. And he was trying to emphasize something that was going on in the Old Testament. And he said that, and that was just one big suck sandwich. And the crowd kind of, hmm, and he says, <laughs> Oh, can I say that here? <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard that before. So, so Monday's kind of a suck sandwich. Okay. Well, you get through it. Today's funnies. I've got, I've got one for you. And actually, you know, I was up in Grand Lake for U.S. Constitution Week. And uh, now Tom Goodfellow and the team, they refer to it as the premier U.S. Constitution Week 
and celebration in all of America. And Kevin Sorbo, the actor, mm-hmm. was the uh, keynote speaker. He was very, very good. Um, but uh, getting money to make movies is pretty difficult yes, in Hollywood. Is. So I thought you, I, I think he'd like this. I think you'll like this. So today's funnies. A movie producer is lying by the pool at the Beverly Hilton. His business partner arrives in a great state of excitement. He says, how'd the meeting go? Asked the first guy. He went great, says his buddy. Tarantino will write and direct for $6 million. Mel Gibson will star for eight, And we can bring in the whole picture for uh, just under $50 million. Fabulous, says the guy by the pool. There's just one catch, his business partner warns. What's the cash? He says, we have to put up $10,000 in cash. <laughs> and that's the key. Mm-hmm. So I was up in uh, Grand Lake this last, uh, this last weekend, and uh, first of all, it was spectacular. The Aspen are turning. Uh, Grand Lake, I, I, I kid you not, it is a place where God is showing off. It is absolutely beautiful. And what Tom Goodfellow and the team of volunteers does there, I mean, a whole week celebrating the U.S. Constitution. The Constitution was signed on September 17th in 1787. So they bring speakers in throughout the week. There's a, a, a was a meet and greet with Kevin Sorbo on Friday night. There's a parade. Uh, Kevin did a great job as the keynote. I got to emcee the main event. Music festival, fireworks over the lake. It's a fabulous, fabulous weekend, and it continues to grow. And Susan, I can't tell you there were uh, there were probably five or six people that wanted to talk to Tom or me, which I needed mm-hmm. to have them talk to him because he's the the guy. But um, they're like, we need to expand this. Yeah. And uh, and uh, so there's a lot of people that's interested in that. I think probably most communities should probably start with a Constitution Day because a yeah. Constitution Week is a big thing to bite off. But they did an excellent job. Sorbo is uh, a conservative in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was a question on... Are there other conservatives in Hollywood, and who are they? And he said that, yes, there are. And those that are well-known, he mentioned their names, but he said there's many others that don't want to be known because it does affect their career, interestingly enough. I hear they call it something like the Lincoln Club. They have a name for it. They do. Um, So they know who's who. I want to yeah, it's something, Friends of Abe. There you go. That's That's what it's called. It's called Friends of Abe. But he said, you know, Clint Eastwood, Gary Sinise... Uh, John Voight, you yep. know, all of them. But he oh, said they're big enough that uh, that it doesn't really affect their career. Yeah. But uh, but the other guys, and men and women, it does. Mm-hmm. So, But a very, very good speech. He, I did not realize this, but um, he he was playing Hercules, mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and he's very tall, but he had three strokes. He Were did? You, he did. And this was really interesting. He, he was working really l- long hours. His wife's like, you're, <laughs> you know, I mean, he was probably working mm, 16, 16 hours a day. Yeah. You know, and, um, and he ended up uh, having three strokes. He had an aneurysm and he didn't realize it. Oh, dear. And he uh, actually, um, I, you'll have to read his book to actually get the whole story. But anyway, the aneurysm was lodged, uh, blood clots were uh, uh, released from that, and it caused three strokes. And so he had to come back 
from paralysis and all kinds of things. And so it's a truly amazing story. And uh, I think people find it very inspiring, but I never knew that about him. But he worked through it, and uh, he is who he is again today. So it's pretty amazing. He did disappear from the screen for a while. So, And I think that might have been part of yeah. it. So it was, a, it was excellent. And he really pulled no punches on what is going on there. And um, apparently somebody said, well, this was not uh, nonpartisan. Uh, because he did say that, thank goodness that Hillary Clinton did not get elected because if if she did we'd be in a world of hurt and uh i looked at at my colleague who said said he was concerned about it i said but what kevin spoke was the truth right and i realized susan that under this guise of bipartisanship and nonpartisanship it's actually tapped down the truth Mm -hmm. and so it's given on an equal uh field in the battle of ideas mistruths or misconceptions the same uh, I don't know, the, the same level as truth. And it is getting us into a world of hurt. It, yeah, it is. Um, bipartisanship has um, taken away from sticking to principle. Well, in the interest of bipartisanship, we're going to negotiate. Sometimes there's no negotiating. You cannot negotiate on your rights. The answer is no. Otherwise, you're always negotiating backwards. You can't negotiate on the First Amendment, can't negotiate on the Second Amendment, and so on. And that's totally right. And you've you've never seen the radical. I mean, you can see what happens when you negotiate bipartisanship, nonpartisanship. You have where we are in Colorado right now. Uh, we've had people, I think, very well-meaning, you know, to come together to, to you know, um, meet and talk about things. And, and I think maybe sometimes they look back at the deliberations for the U.S. Constitution. There is a big difference. Mm-hmm. Even though uh, the founders didn't always agree on how to get to something. Ultimately, they did agree on this vision of the individual rights of life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. They wanted to get to a point to protect those rights. They just didn't know, you know, they might not have agreed on how to do it. And they did come to agreement finally. But these people that we're talking about now with uh, bipartisanship and nonpartisanship, they want control. Yeah. And there's a, that's a whole different ballgame. It is. Absolutely. Yeah. A lot of people think, oh, well, you know, we don't want to fight. The idea is to get along and have discussions. Um, sometimes you have to argue and stand on your principle. You really do. And, uh, and, we, and, and Republicans, conservatives, libertarians, unaffiliated, and blue dog Democrats, I mean, I think there's an intersectionality <laughs> there. We've all had good manners. And while we've had our good manners and agreed not to talk about politics and religion, they're talking about politics and religion. They're teaching the religion of climate change, uh, the the radical LGBTQ component of of uh, that group. I mean, they're pushing all that as a religion in our schools, and yet we we st- step back and say we you know we don't think we're supposed to teach religion in schools. But uh, you know, so again, under bipartisanship, nonpartisanship, we've given away so much. Yeah, well, you're forced into one type of school. There should be all types homeschooling, charter schools. Uh, I'm not a fan of government schools at all, public schools at all. Well, and to that point, the the founders felt that education was really important. Mm-hmm. But there has to be truth in education. Patty had pulled this article. Let me see if I can get to it. It's in the Nationals here. She says, let's see, this is from realclearinvestigations.com. It says, woke history is making big inroads in America's high schools. Now, and, and the whole woke movement is 
you know, is, is really, I think, dishonest. On, it's not woke at all. It's, it's history. We want to rewrite history our way and pretend it's this way. Exactly. And so it says, like growing number of public high school students across the country, many California kids are receiving classroom instruction in how race, class, gender, sexuality, and citizenship status are tools of oppression, power, and privilege. They are taught about colonialism, state violence, racism, intergenerational trauma, and word I'm not even sure, heteropatriarchy, and the common thread that links them is whiteness. And, you know, that's why I, Vino and Veritas, which you were the initial presenting sponsor on this with 88 Drive-In Theater, and this is the study of the Federalist Papers that we're going through, um, has been, I think it's so important. And people, people are really learning so much, Susan. Yeah, they are. And so Vino and Veritas uh, Centennial is tonight. Uh, Vino and Veritas in Fort Collins is tomorrow night. And then the Vino and Veritas in Castle Rock is Sunday night. And I would like to invite all of you to, uh, to go to my website, americhicks.com, and uh, let me know if you're interested. But I invite all of you to go to the one in Castle Rock next Sunday night, even if you're not a member of these other groups. And the reason is, is because Dr. Cranawitter is going to talk about slavery and uh, how what was going on in the world at that time, and how remarkable it was what the Americans did about slavery, and he doesn't sugarcoat it Mm-mm. at all. Nope. But um, it is a powerful story, and in fact, Christy Whaley came up to me after this this presentation in, in Centennial because it's a little bit ahead. Uh, she said, I've fallen in love with America all over again. And so I would highly recommend that you go to my website. Let me know if you are interested because the New York Times has started something called uh, the 1619 Project, which that is, I guess, apparently when the first slaves were brought to America and they are going to use this, uh, a narrative that is only half-truths to try to, to uh, once again, divide our country. And so we need to understand the whole picture. And so we see right here in this uh, whole woke movement in, um, in America's high schools that they're, they're, uh, they're using all these things to try to divide us, and they're not telling the whole truth. They're teaching racism is what they're doing. And That's what they're doing. Racism is identifying as a race and looking and identifying other people as a race instead of as individuals. Yes, and uh, I, I thought we were past that after we got through the 60s and 70s. I remember, Susan, there used to be a poster where there was a white hand and a black hand, and they'd come together. Yeah. You know, it looked like we were making a lot of progress. Steve, what do you think about that? We did make a lot of progress. There's no doubt about it. But uh, I'm gonna, you're going to force me to single out a specific president. But it seemed to be, in terms of his administration, it was realized that it was a useful tool to divide so they brought it back. And as Lincoln said, a house divided cannot stand. And we, when you're looking at many of the Democrat candidates, I'm not sure that they really love America and the American idea. And so that is why we do this show. Thank you, Susan Kochevar. You're a valued sponsor. We're going to go to break. Before we do that, though, uh, a new sponsor, Lauren Levy, will be joining us. And uh, he is with Polygon Financial. And he has a nuts and bolts workshop next Thursday, or this Thursday, uh, and next Saturday, so Thursday, 6.30, out at the Pace Center in Parker, and Saturday at 10. He's a specialist in mortgages, particularly reverse mortgages, which can be a good financial tool for people. 
and uh, for 62 and older. And it's important to understand all these nuances of reverse mortgages. So he's going to have this reverse mortgage workshop. And so either this Thursday or Saturday. And uh, for more information, just go and message me at americhicks.com. And uh, let's go to break, Susan. When we come back, we'll continue on with some of these headlines. At Hooters, you can watch the games with all your buddies. And when your buddies are the world-famous Hooters girls, there's always plenty of ice-cold beer and those craveable wings that'll knock your taste buds into next Tuesday. Hooters girls know plenty about football, but we really know the fans who live for it. So hang out with all your buddies all season long at Hooters, your official hangout for game day. Catch all the games at Hooters and enjoy a butter Bud Light draft with 10 boneless wings, just $10. Dine for two with the pitcher and nachos, just $20. Don't miss Vino and Veritas, Wine and Truth, a study of the Federalist Papers. Join Kim Munson at Water's Edge Winery in Centennial or Colorado Cork and Keg in Castle Rock. In Fort Collins, attend Vino and Veritas at Ginger and Baker. Kim Munson would like to thank Presidential Wealth Management Loveland, Presidential Wealth Management Greenwood Village, Tina Francone with Straightforward Shooting, and Grand Lake U.S. Constitution Week for their generous support. Vino and Veritas, Wine and Truth, a study of the Federalist Papers. Sign up today. All AmeriChicks sponsors are an exclusive partnership with the AmeriChicks and are not affiliated or in partnership with KLZ or Crawford Broadcasting. If you would like to support the work of the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson and grow your business, contact Kim at AmeriChicks.com. That's AmeriChicks.com. Hey, welcome back. I'm Kim Munson. Let's have a conversation. I'm thrilled to have in studio with me, Susan Kochevar, entrepreneur, owner of 88 Drive-In Theater, partner, and uh, author of a very important piece that is at americhicks.com regarding uh, President Trump and rolling back uh, regulations. Mm-hmm. Rolling back tyranny. <laughs> I like so we're going to talk about that in the third and fourth segment. Before we do that, in the last segment, we had mentioned... This uh, piece, The Woke History is Making Big Inroads in America's High Schools, and it is where they are teaching division, and they're not being honest about our founding. Uh, They are using the, uh, um, let's see, race, class, gender, sexuality, and citizenship status, and they're saying that's tools of oppression, power, and privilege. Susan, as we know, the American idea has brought more people out of poverty and, and empowered uh, more people to be able to go after their life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness than any other governmental social structure in the history of the world. If these folks don't like America, I wish that they would go to Venezuela or Cuba instead of trying to tear this country down. Yeah, they have just... Well, like Venezuela, look like Venezuela shortly if some of these policies get passed. Well, look at these cities that have been run by these. Again, the Democrat right. Party of today is not the Democrat Party of JFK. It's not the Democrat Party of the Blue Dog Democrats. This is a radical, progressive, regressive um, or, organization now. And to that point, Steve, when I was driving down from Grand Lake, I saw my first Elizabeth Warren bumper sticker. And it said Warren, and then it had Rosie the Riveter. And, you know, Rosie the Riveter was, you know, symbolic of the women that went into the factories to, uh, you know, to support America in their fight against the Nazis and and against the Japanese. And, uh, And so they were standing against tyranny. 
and they were stand they were fighting Germany and Germany Nazi stands for the National Socialist German Workers Party so here we have a woman that is espousing socialist policies control force and she's then trying to use something that's been a, a symbol of uh, people standing up and fighting against oppression and tyranny. And there is something really wrong about that. But what we've learned, uh, Steve, with the left is they say one thing and they do another. They say tolerance, inclusiveness, and they're anything but. Well, to Susan's point earlier in terms of revisionist history, constantly trying to alter what we already know to be true. And so for Warren and her team to grab that particular symbol, Rosie of the Riveter, and, uh, you know, try to link that up as like we are doing something positive is absolute baloney. The Rosie of the Riveter stood for the, uh, the large incursion of women into the workforce to meet a national need. And... I, I, the linking those two's up, but, but once again, we are so ignorant of our history. She'll, mm-hmm. They'll get away with it. Oh, look at that. You know, when they see that bumper sticker, oh, well, I, I get it. And it has really, there's no linkage at all. Well, that's why uh, I think that we need to call that out because Rosie the Riveter stood against socialism and Elizabeth Warren is a socialist. But you know what? She's pulling uh, the Rosie the Riveter because she knows that Americans, that is the message that people really can um, adhere to. And then it's uh, smoke and mirrors, and we see so much of that, Susan. We do. It, it's really awful. And if you look at cities like California and you know places in New York, they're a mess. They're, they're dirty. And this is uh, exactly what happens in every socialist, communist country. If you look at any one of them, they're all a mess. Their environments are, are horrible. And... Uh, if you have, um, I, I know Glenn Beck has talked a lot about having, uh, he, he'll do, you know, presentations to large groups of people, uh, like on the National Mall. So his people pick up all the trash. But anytime there's any sort of left demonstration on the National Mall, it's covered in trash. But yet those are the folks that are espousing environmentalism to, do, yeah. to take care of our of our planet when, in essence, they don't even take care of the the. Uh, you know, their own little backyard. And to that point, I've mentioned that I have moved a number of kids out of college dorms and college apartments. And, of course, this is the place where the the left, is it's their incubator on uh, the environmentalism. But many of these kids, when they leave, they just leave it trashed. They leave everything behind. If you look even at between Hong Kong and mainland China, Hong Kong's tiny. Those people are, and it's clean. Those people are, you know, individualists. If you look at China, just, heck, look at their environment. Look at their air. Look at um, the mining and stuff that goes on. It's a mess. Well, and you mentioned something about the environmentalism of what's going on in these cities. So Los Angeles, Mm -hmm. San Francisco, uh, there's feces on the street. Typhoid. Yep. Typhoid in Los Angeles. This is third world country stuff. Leprosy. They're complaining about all of that stuff. Can you, can you believe that? No. And this is in the United States of America, but these are cities that have been under Democrat control for many, many years. And I tell you what, Susan, if we don't get things turned around here in Colorado, Denver's not far behind. No, it won't take long. I, I hardly ever go downtown anymore because it's filthy. Yeah. You know, and, uh, and so... We need to talk about these things, and we need to find people to run for office 
at the local level. Local level is really, really important. So city councils, school boards, county commissioners that will understand that their, their duty is to protect the rights of everyday people to go after their life, their liberty, and pursuit of happiness. And that is one of the things that I think I really learned in Vino Veritas. Dr. Cranowitter and I would have a back and forth, and I, I, I said the American idea is all about the individual. But what I realized is the American idea is about protecting the rights mm-hmm. of life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. So the individual then goes, you know, is responsible for what they do with that yeah. gift of the protection of those rights. Yep. You put it down to protecting those rights for the individual. The individuals thrive and the rest takes care of itself. And that is why America has been thriving. Mm -hmm. I would submit to you, if we don't protect those rights, we are in a cut flower society. Uh, And that means there's no roots. And uh, we are chopping our roots off uh, again, like this uh, high school, you know, the, the different high schools, the curriculum there. We are cutting our roots off, and eventually the flowers die if we don't make sure that we nurture and fertilize those roots. So, hey, let's go to Jason McBride, though, and because, last, in fact, I think you mentioned this to me. There was something about this repo market that uh, raised a question. There seemed to be a lot of concern, and so I said, Jason, uh, what do you know about it? And uh, apparently there were headlines that the repo rate shooting up to 10%, the Fed had to step in. What is the repo market, and were the banks in need of a bailout last week, Jason? Well, hi, Kim. I'm not going to claim to know every intricate detail of all the Byzantine transactions that happen between banks every day, so uh, everything I discuss from this point forward should be prefaced by to the best of my knowledge. Is that okay? That, That sounds great. All right. So uh, repos are short-term transactions between banks that kind of work like overnight loans, but they're actually a purchase and a sale. So let's say Bank A needs some, <coughs> excuse me, cash. Bank B will buy bonds from Bank A and give them the cash. Bank A agrees to buy the bonds back the next day at a slightly higher price. And that's a small profit for Bank B. So that profit margin or interest rate is what's called the repo rate. Uh, And it's actually determined, guys, by supply and demand, but it usually stays within a band set by the Fed, which is about 2% right now. And as long as the balance between the banks who are looking to, quote, borrow and those who are looking to, quote, lend is about equal, that rate stays about the same. It doesn't move around much. But, Jason, what's the use of a one-day loan? If a bank needed money one day, why can they afford to pay it back the next day? Well, that, that's a great question, and it does seem pretty nonsensical. I'd say a lot of the routine reasons, it's things like they bought an investment one day but didn't want to sell another to cover until the following day, so they have a gap and they need cash for that one-day delay. Uh, they may have had more withdrawals than expected on a given day, and there's a small lag time uh, before they sell investments to raise the cash to square up. Uh, But also, Kim, I think a lot of times it's maybe that Bank A had an idea that they could make more money on the cash for that one day than what they'd have to pay 
paid uh, the next day. So they, they hope to make a profit as well. So I think a lot of these repo transactions are a lot more related to banks trying to make small gains on borrowed money than they are actual cash shortages. Okay, so that makes sense, but what went haywire last week? Well, all the banks seem to be looking to borrow money on Monday, and none of them were looking to lend. So supply and demand, uh, the rate to borrow shot up to 10%. Now, keep in mind, guys, it's not 10% for the one day. It's an annual rate, so the actual one-day interest is really minuscule. So when this happened, the Fed stepped in and said, well, we'll lend to those who want to borrow at the 2% rate. It's the same deal. You have to sell us your bonds. You buy them back from us tomorrow. So really, all this culminated within just minutes or hours. And then the the rates in the repo market normalized again. Uh, The Fed made $75 billion available each day last week. But remember, it's all paid back the next day. So they didn't hand the banks like $300 billion. The 75 was just there as a backstop each day. And, of course, this made big headlines because the Fed hadn't been, hadn't been in the repo market for over 10 years. They got a little bit flat-footed, and their process was a bit clumsy, and that caused a little bit of chaos short term. And then we got the sky is falling headlines. Well, of course, it's the media. I wouldn't be surprised if the left tries to make this the new R word uh, to try to scare the markets and the economy. We had Russia, racist, recession. Those haven't worked so far. So, yeah, let's try repo. We can make it sound like the banks are in trouble and then blame Trump for it. You know, that is so true. So the big question, I guess, is why all of a sudden was there such a surge of banks wanting cash all at once? Well, Kim, the line that's being pushed is two things. Uh, one, that corporations had to make big withdrawals to pay income taxes for the quarter. At the same time, there had been like a huge treasury bond auctions, so the banks had to pay for the bonds they bought, and apparently the bonds they had maturing to roll over cash for the new bond buys was a smaller amount than usual, so there there was a gap between uh, the cash they had on hand and what they owed for these two things short term. Okay, Jason, so it sounds like you don't buy it. Well, I think these two things might have contributed, but, but here's maybe the rest of the story. One, interest rates over the last month have plummeted. And that means treasury bond prices, which those are the type of bonds these banks buy and sell to each other in the repo market. I mean, they've been making big daily moves, Kim. Uh, Number two, the other type of bonds involved in these sales are what are called agency bonds. Those are related to Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, which also had some big headlines just recently. And those prices have been really volatile as well. Okay, so the volatility has really spun their heads. There's too many moving parts moving too fast at the same time. Yeah, and you know what, Kim? I think they all saw something at the same time, some kind of arbitrage or some trade they thought was risk-free due to this volatility, some displacement in prices. So, you know, these banks don't just try to stick it to us. They'll stick it to each other any time they get a chance to. And I think they were all trying to stick it to each other to make a buck. 
and they got surprised when everybody showed up at the party at the same time. Okay, so you don't think the sky is falling? Well, you know, Kim, the sky always might be falling, but I don't see, uh, at least right now, that last week's kind of riot in the repo market is a cause of that, and I don't think it's a symptom either. Okay, well, that that's really important information because... Uh, and I, I appreciate it, Jason, that you will take the time to really delve into these issues because, uh, uh, as I mentioned, I think Susan sent me something on that. She was concerned about it, and it's been out there in the news. So thank you. Uh, presidential Wealth Management. Um, go to chickspresidential.com, and there's kinds, all kinds of great information there. And, uh, and, and also, you are hosting a Social Security workshop next, uh, uh, let's see, October 1st, right? Correct. That's right. Okay. And Social Security, you know, it's important to understand what's going on out there. Susan and I have opinions about whether or not we think, you know, in the big picture, uh, Social Security, uh, you know, how that works from a government standpoint. But I know that on an individual basis, people are really interested on uh, their Social Security. So October 1st, go to chickspresidential.com. Uh, we're going to go to break. When we come back, Susan Kochevar, entrepreneur. Hey, Jason, have a great day. I should say, right. I wish you a great Monday. Steve's having his Monday, but I wish you a very good Monday, Jason. <laughs> have a great show, Kim. <laughs> okay, thanks. Uh, we're going to go to break. When we come back, this piece that is at americhicks.com, this op-ed that you've done, is really important. And were you a Trump person at the very beginning? No, he wasn't my guy. Okay, we're going to go to break, and we're going to find out what you think now. This is Kim Munson, Susan Kochevar's in studio. We'll be right back. Are you looking for news, not propaganda? Ready for a news source you can actually trust? How about a news site that doesn't want to sell you a subscription? Visit CompleteColorado.com to see all the latest news from around Colorado. Complete Colorado's staff scours news sources from around the state and nation to bring you only the top stories that affect you right here in our great state. Updated three times a day, CompleteColorado.com has full-time reporters doing original investigations and reporting like newspapers used to do as well as opinion and political commentary from a variety of Colorado voices. And CompleteColorado.com is the only place to read columnist Mike Rosen. Always fresh content, always free, always informed. CompleteColorado.com, your complete source for Colorado news. You want to succeed, so you need to dress for the job, event, or relationship that you seek. For over 30 years, entrepreneur, stylist, and Americhick Kim Munson has been helping women look their very best. And guys, Kim can help you with made-to-measure shirts that fit great and you'll love to wear. Guys and gals, if you want to up your game and freshen your look, email Kim at Americhicks.com for your initial style consult. Kim at Americhicks.com. Hey, welcome back. I'm Kim Munson. Let's have a conversation with Susan Kochevar. She is the uh, owner of 88 Drive-In Theater. She's an entrepreneur and a uh, very important piece at Americhicks.com, winning the race for a second term. And uh, you're, you're actually pretty pleased with some of the things that President Trump is doing, but he wasn't your guy to begin with. Wasn't my guy, but, you know, when he started talking about cutting regulations, I thought, well, we'll see what happens. You know, usually presidents say that, and it winds up being picking winners and losers, giving favors to you people who, you know, contribute to their campaign. Or it also winds up being knee-jerk reaction to whatever's going on in the media, and um, they just want to look like they're being effective. And I would say uh, that we have seen that in the Trump administration a little bit with the b- issue with bump stocks and going and, you know, pushing mm-hmm. to, to ban bump stocks that 
was never really the problem with these shootings at all. Right. Um, And, you know, it's pretty tough to agree with somebody 100 Mm percent. And uh, I know I do agree. And I'm very concerned about this family leave thing as well. Yes. I, I don't like government. That is not the proper role of government. No, it's going to destroy businesses uh, already. You, know, you When you run a business, you have to have your people there. And if you have to hire a whole extra set of people because some people are going to be out on leave and you, you have no you're, control. You're pay, paying them also. Yeah, it's like a double payroll. And that won't work. That It just won't work. So what will happen, you know, probably the big guys, you know, can figure it out. But man, for a little, a little company, Can't do they'll it. put them out of business. Mm-hmm. Or, or what you will see, and, and we've talked a lot about the um, forced minimum wage, which, you know, that whole conversation is occurring here in Denver and Colorado. Yes. Uh, what you'll see then is people won't hire Exactly. Yeah. You know, they will work towards automation Mm -hmm. and uh, and we'll see people lose their jobs because of of a policy that they say is actually, quote unquote, they're trying to say help people. But government, when they get involved and they use force, there's a lots of unintended consequences. Yeah, it always makes all kinds of really weird problems. And um, a lot of people wind up getting hurt. I always say to people and I mentioned this in the article that uh, when I talk to really good people who work really hard, You'll still hear them say, oh, we need the regulations, you know, uh, things will be out of control. So I like to to describe it like this. People feel like all the regulations, and I think there's something like 182,000 pages of just federal regulations. Those regulations um, are the fences, they think. They, they see that that keeps everything safe and, you know, kind of baby-proof or, or sort of idiot-proof uh, your life. And... Uh, so there's all these regulations and they're the fences and it kind of makes them feel a little bit safer because that guy can't next door can't go do whatever that I don't either don't like or could harm me. What they miss is those regulations are actually what imprisons people. It keeps them from growing, from, you know, um, those regulations are expensive. They can't hire more people. They can't be creative because you have to fit everything in this little box. And they actually make you unsafe. We, we've seen that time and time again. And uh, so the, the regulations are the fences, and we need to tear them down. So, you know, this is what we see again with the uh, radical activists, socialists, that are working to take over the country is they believe that the pie is a, a, a finite pie. Mm-hmm. And so what you're look, telling me is with these guardrails, if you will, mm-hmm. you know, that is fencing in a pie. And the, the American idea is that actually with human creativity and innovation and industriousness and hard work, that the pie can get bigger and bigger and bigger. Yep. Um, but what you're saying, I think, is, is that these guardrails are actually, you said it, it's a prison that will not let, it, ultimately it will not let the pie grow bigger. That's what happened in Venezuela. Venezuela yeah. was a very prosperous country. And then they come in with the socialism and uh, and pick winners and losers. That's yeah. the other thing. The, this picking winners and losers, and they, uh, I mean, there's something really wrong about that, Susan. Socialism gets to one of the worst human emotions, which is envy. And you're working hard, and and you look over, and someone has something else, and you don't see their whole life. You don't see what they've done to get whatever. But people get envious, 
And that's one of the things that socialism targets, and uh, it, it feeds it. And that's um, that makes all those regulations worse because oh, you know, it's like change playing a game with a with a kid who doesn't like you to win, might want their friend to win, and they keep changing the rules. No, well, it's got to be this way now, so the other guy can't win. It's really, really depressing. And and that that is okay. Envy is the the emotion or uh, or what whatever of socialism. But you take the same situation in the American idea, and that is you look over at the guy that is very successful, and you're like, if he can do it, I can do it. Or I can do it better. Or I I can do it better. Compete. You know, if you look at something like the FDA, where there's tons and tons of regulations, uh, people couldn't, people lost the right to even try drugs that might save their life. They have some sort of life-ending uh, disease. And that's one of the things that Trump pushed for and signed a bill to let people try drugs. Right to try. Right to try. Somebody said something up here at U.S. Constitution Week. I can't remember who, I think it was Kevin Sorbo. He said that people say that we need government because people aren't smart enough to be able how, to figure it out how to take care of themselves. Mm-hmm. And then he said, but what is government made of? People. People. Exactly. But people that can use force. Yes. And control. And um, I thought that was really an excellent an- analysis. Yeah, it, it really is. Okay. Let's, uh, hey, Steve, could we go to break early so that we don't break this up? And let's jump into this piece that Susan has done. Uh, Zach uh, has a great picture here. Yes. It's a person with chains around their uh, their uh, wrists. And uh, you said that uh, basically Trump, in reducing these rules and regulations, is cutting those chains. Cutting the chains. Okay, so we're going to go to break. We'll be right back. Susan Kochevar is in studio. We're having a conversation about winning the race for a second term. Award-winning realtor Karen Levine has 30 years of experience with REMAX Alliance. As a director with the National Association of Realtors, Karen Levine works to protect private property rights. Karen Levine believes in homeownership. Because of Karen's love of dogs, Karen volunteers with GUR, Golden Retriever Rescue of the Rockies, helping Golden Retrievers find their forever homes. Choose Karen Levine to buy or sell your home because she understands that it's more than just a house. Karen Levine comes highly recommended by Kim Munson. Call award-winning realtor Karen Levine with REMAX Alliance today at 303-877-7516. That's 303-877-7516. This week at the 88 Drive-In Theater, enjoy three scary movies under the stars, all for only $9. It, It, Chapter 2, and Scary Stories. Admission includes all three features. Monday through Thursday, don't forget the very popular pizza special. And new on the menu, try a churro with a cup of hot cocoa. The 88 Drive-In Theater is open every night of the week, so get directions now at the 88 Drive-In Facebook page or 88drivein.net. Hey, welcome back. I am Kim Munson and having a conversation with Susan Kochevar, who is in studio. Uh, Susan is an entrepreneur. She is the owner of the historic 88 Drive-In Theater. How long have you guys been in business? 42 years. We're just finishing our 42nd season. That is so awesome. And I got to go out just recently. We had a blast out there. It was great fun. And uh, so anyway, it's great to have you here, though. You are a voice for small business. And this piece that you have, uh, it's at americhicks.com, and uh, you said winning the race for a second term. 
so let's break this down. You said when Trump took office, one of the things he promised was to reduce regulation. He promised to cut two regulations for every new one that was created. And he was quoted in the New York Times article in 2018 telling the annual uh, CPAC com- at the CPAC conference, it is my opinion that the regulations had as big an impact as these massive tax cuts that we have given. So take us from there. Yeah, he's absolutely right about that. Uh, gosh, over all of the years, the regulations just keep piling on. And in fact, a whole industry has risen up around regulations and businesses hire other businesses just for compliance. Some uh, big businesses, banks and other big businesses will have a whole floor of people that just comply with all of the regulations. And this is particularly damaging to small businesses because we can't either afford to hire a compliance company or have our own floor of compliance people. And the, the, the regulations are so convoluted and it's extremely expensive it's costing the american americans in general so much money uh because you have to you know these companies have to raise prices. their prices so you know and it's bureaucrats that are in charge of all these rules and regulations uh-huh. the other thing that's very frustrating when we talk about quote unquote even playing fields is you have all these regulations. I think you mentioned just the feds, uh, over 180,000 pages. Yep. There's no way that anybody could comply with all that. No. Uh, so then you have bureaucrats and regulators that can decide that they're going to go into business A, and you have to make sure that you, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. For inspections, yep. Right. But they might just walk past business B. Right. And so business A may have to pay a lot to comply yep. with these regulations. And, uh, I mean, it can put people out of business because little businesses work on really small margins. Yeah. And, well, and sometimes it's business B that calls the inspectors on business A, you know, to cut the competition. This creates a really nasty, uh, oh, gosh, setup for um, destroying other businesses, destroying your competition, and really hurting consumers. It's really bad. And consumers ultimately should, I, I think, have the choice. Like, you know, you have, uh, people that do hair, they have to be licensed. Yeah. It doesn't matter to me whether or not they're licensed. Uh, the people that I go to that do my hair, I uh, got referrals. Yeah. I went to them once. I liked the work that they did, so I went back. It doesn't matter to me that they have to have a license. And I think the licensing fee is, you know, it's, it's you know, maybe nominal for that. However, across the spectrum, yep. uh, it, it raises a lot of money for the state of Colorado. Well, sure, these people have to go through um, a, a very expensive class before they can get the, the license. It, it, and it's unnecessary. In fact, I think it makes people less safe. Uh, you know, you see your doctor has a license. Do you ever actually check to see how many patients he has or talk to somebody else or see where he went to school, um, you know, those things determine how good they are. And so I think this uh, narrative of the elitist and of the, the far left radicals that, and I really do think that they look at everyday people and say, you know, they're not smart enough. They do. They're not smart enough to be able how to, to, how to figure out their retirement. So we're going to have social security. Of course, they, uh, have rated the Social Security Trust Fund, um, but but 
They say people just aren't smart enough to take care of themselves, and so that's why we, government, have to step in and do that. But in essence, when government gets involved, supply goes down, prices go up. So it's historical that Trump actually has kept this promise. Mm-hmm. And for every new regulation, two have to come off the book. And if you Google it, you'll find a whole bunch of uh, articles trying to debunk it. And I came across the New York Times, which... Uh, was trying to say that, uh, oh, no, he hasn't, you know, reduced these regulations and it's not saving money. But um, I can tell you that, that he has as a small business owner. One of the things that we discussed when I was here last time was the fact that he signed uh, legislation <clears throat> that actually makes the IRS follow due process in something called structuring. Uh, structuring came out of a 19, I think, 72 law where if you deposit cash under $10,000 regularly, which is most small businesses, you know, hairdressers, small grocery stores, convenience stores, theaters, anywhere that uses cash, if you deposit less than $10,000 regularly, the bank has to report a certain number of people who they think might have been uh, depositing money suspiciously, so laundering money. So right there, and Steve has always challenged me. He said, we need to make sure that we are are bringing forward when people see the word force. And so what you're saying here is that there is some regulation that is forcing the bank to report on just a a supposition, no due process or anything. And so then what happens is the IRS was just seizing people's accounts. There's no uh, investigation, nothing. They were just seizing the money, and, the, and the, the business owner was trying to fight to get their money back. And, you know, you, it's impossible to hire an attorney to fight them. So, they, you know, you lose your business. You can't pay your employees. You can't pay your suppliers. You, you go out of business. And some, uh, I think it was the Institute for Justice, stepped in and sued. And the cases, a couple cases went all the way to the Supreme Court, and they won. But now they have legislation that the president signed that stopped that. They have to, um, you know, if, the, if there's an accusation, they have to investigate, and they can't just seize your assets. So due process, once again, mm-hmm. and due process is in the Constitution. And the founders put it in there because it is tyrannical for government mm-hmm. to come in and forcibly be able to take your stuff. Yep. Without due process. That's why these red flag laws yes. are so dangerous. It's because they do not have due process. It says government can come in and you don't even know you've been accused of something. You may be off at work. They can come in and go through your house and take your stuff. Take your stuff. This isn't that different. No. And uh, so this, this is why that needs to be protected. So Trump uh, did that. You mentioned uh, in the previous segment the right to try. Yeah. And let's, let's unpack that just a little bit more. Okay, so let's say that you have been diagnosed with a uh, um, life-threatening illness. In, in fact, you know, the doctor says you only have, you know, X amount of time to live. And there is a drug out there that perhaps could do something to prolong your life, maybe even cure whatever that ailment is. Mm-hmm. But has, it's not gone through the FDA trial. It's massively expensive and takes mm-hmm. years and years and years. And so the elitists say the FDA is there to protect people But in essence, you may die before that drug actually might be approved. And then when it's approved, they're like, oh, this works just great. Yeah, because the drug might hurt you. You know, um, you can see this in things, uh, well, with what happened with AIDS, in fact. Uh, the FDA was withholding treatments that they knew were effective, and people were going to Mexico to get the treatment because the American doctor was down there, and he could test uh, the mm-hmm. products. So um, there, there was a fellow who testified in front of Congress about what the FDA had done. So... That's just one example, one disease. What else did they 
right. prevent from coming forward. And so what Trump, what he did, he said, you can talk with your doctor mm-hmm. and you too can make the decision. Yeah. Instead of government saying, no, you can't have it, you can look at the effects because there might be some, some effects that might not be that great. But if the alternative is death, maybe you might want to try it, right? How many drugs uh, that would help dementia are being uh, prevented from coming forward? So, so let people sit down and talk yeah. with their doctor and take a look at those things. Uh, we're going to be out of time here soon. This goes so fast when you're Way here. Too fast. Yeah. <laughs> um, I love one of the things. This is, this is beautiful writing. You said, as Trump quietly cuts the tentacles of tyranny, his support rises. Mm-hmm. Because all the regulations uh, are divided out into all the different industries. So you, there's no one giant pushback on all the regulation because each industry is separate. You can't get enough awareness of whatever regulation is impacting your uh, industry horribly. So um, I lost my train of thought. Uh, So anyway, you can't get a giant pushback on that. So when he starts to cut all these regulations in all these different industries, uh, people feel that and that quietly develops the support for him. And so it's an interesting way of, I think, Winning the election. You know, one other thing you mentioned, and uh, Dr. Cranowitter had, had said this as well, that we have moved from a free society to a compliant society. Mm, yes. You know, and we, I think, we like to try to play by the rules, and so we try to be compliant. But then there's this fear that's always in the back of you. I better not take that that risk because I might not be I might not be in compliance. I might trigger an inspection. Yeah. I might, the IRS might flag me. Yeah. And, terrible. and so we've moved away from freedom to compliance. And, of course, all these bureaucrats, they get paid yeah. uh, for that. And so it is absolutely amazing. So let's go through uh, here in the op-ed at Americhicks.com. You've gone through just some of the regulations that have been eased or eliminated. Uh, why don't you highlight some of those, Susan Kochevar? So one of the things that you all have been talking about here were the EPA regulations that were relaxed on car manufacturers. Uh, so that huge. will yeah, bring this is the, huge. Keep the cost of cars down so people can afford them. Transportation's freedom. So how many uh, how many car manufacturers and um, you know retailers are thinking? Hmm, you know that guy Trump. Mm-hmm. That helps my business. Okay, another one. Uh, let's see. We talked about the right to try. Mm-hmm. Uh, so another tiny area is off the coast of New England. Uh, Trump relaxed the regulations on commercial fishing for sea scallop harvesting and uh, also increased the flexibility for sustainable catches of bluefin tuna and shark fin. Uh, So, you know, it it helps the fishermen. It's it's a small segment. Uh, Applications for uh, small-scale exports of natural natural gas, liquefied gas, um, have been... uh, that those regulations have been streamlined so those folks can, you know, get their stuff to market faster. So that's another small industry that's also been freed up slightly. And then I love this uh, this last one that you have on there. You said that for economic growth, there's regulatory relief and, and consumer protection act eased. And that consumer protection, you know, that sounds good, but actually, what it u- is used is again force and control in that. And he's eased burdens of uh, these very harmful banking regulations, which has prevented community banks yeah. from being able to make loans to small businesses. A lot of small banks went completely out of business. They did. And Jay Davidson uh, with First American State Bank has. Yeah. has 
mentioned about that. And the community banks have been the lifeblood of small business. So, Susan Kochevar, final thought. We're out of time. Love having you here. Love what you do at 88 Drive-In Theater. It's just uh, great to have you as a partner. Thank you. Enjoy coming in in the morning. Well, (laughs) it is early, isn't it? And you're normally up late, but it is great to have you here. So in honor, again, of movies, Catherine Hepburn said, The thing about life is that you must survive. Life is going to be difficult and dreadful things will happen. What you do is move along, get on with it and be tough. Not in the sense of being mean to others, but being tough with yourself and making a deadly effort not to be defeated. Mm -hmm. So today, read great books, think good thoughts, Listen to beautiful music, communicate and listen well, live honestly and authentically, strive for high ideals, and like Superman, stand for truth, justice, and the American way. This is Kim Munson signing off. God bless you, and God bless America. Further from my home.